commenced. I'm free. I, I'm free. <laughs> hmm. Um. <laughs> okay. Get on with it then. Right then. <clears throat> Our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest. The analogue TV podcast that is currently appearing at the Circus Tavern in Perthley, Essex. Which I presume to be a pub. I believe it's a, a, a club. Or, did they have some darts thing at the Circus Tavern? Do they? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, but it's, it's where the closing titles of this week's programme announces that the host is currently appearing. So I thought, you know, why not? Yeah. This week... Damn it. The Golden Shot. The Golden Shot. This is Ian's choice, and um, yep. the Golden Shot very much one of the iron horses of British and indeed European broadcasting throughout the 1970s and the 1960s. But this isn't one of the ones presented by the safest pair of hands in all of game showdom, Bob Monkhouse. This is a programme that's not waving, but drowning. In the capable yeah. hands of skipper Charlie Williams. Yeah, well, let's, let's just have a quick recap. The Golden Shot is German in origin, and it came about when a TV executive had signed up the Canadian singer, actor, what have you, Johnny Ray. <laughs> To come over and do it, and, and so they started doing this program, and it was tanking in the part in, in the ratings. And um, after ten episodes, they had Bob Monkhouse on as a guest, and Bob Monkhouse ripped up his script for this program and completely rewrote it, showcasing himself yeah. as the next host of the Golden Shot. And at the end of series one, yes, Johnny Ray was unceremoniously chucked into a bin out the back of Elstree Studios. Yep. And Bob Monkhouse took over, and he did it for the next five years. Monkhouse, however, was also sacked. Yeah, yeah. In a very rudimentary product placement scam. Yeah. He was found to have accepted a gift from a shaving company. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, a a prize by that same company Mm. was featured on The Golden Shot. Actually, I think there was no connection. It was just a coincidence. I believe that was always Bob's stance. But, I mean, he disappeared. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was summarily dismissed. They let him do one last show, which was a extremely emotionally fraught and tense affair. Uh-huh. Uh, he was replaced by Norman Vaughan, who, Norman Vaughan, who was yeah. a devil, devil yeah. with his nerves, couldn't deal with the pressure of live television, for this is what this was. It was live television with phone-in guests and a live crossbow. Yeah, well, more than one live well, crossbow. Well, no, yeah, quite. Uh, and, um, and, and, I mean, the thing is that you get an idea of 
how difficult that job is from the fact that Norman Vaughan wasn't some wet behind the ears. Norman Vaughan had hosted Live at the Palladium. Yeah, yeah. Which was live and was on a stage in front of like 1,500 people. He was used to this environment and it was an indication of how difficult and stressful that job must have been. Yeah, I think that that Bob Monkhouse throughout his career had a tendency to make everybody think, oh, well, that that, that looks like an easy job. And then as soon as he wasn't there doing it anymore, you realise exactly what you're missing. And Norman Vaughan was a complete failure, so they replaced him with Charlie Williams, who, guess what? Yeah. Was such a dismal failure that the very producer who had sacked Bob Monkhouse had to had to go crawling back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had to go. I mean, this this is from that disastrous series. I have discovered the date of broadcast, in fact. Okay. It was the 24th of March, 1974. Okay, so I would have been 18 months old, just over 18 months old. Yep. This probably was on in our living room late on a Sunday afternoon while I filled my nappy with shit. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. It's what they do. It is true. It's what they do. Oh, it's true. Up a bit, down a bit, fill your nappy full of shit. Yeah. It, it is just... It's, it's a very, very, very slow motion car crash. It's one it of the oddest programs I've ever seen. I've never seen a full episode of it. It had long gone from when I was born. Yeah. It's such a peculiar blend of utter boredom and, yeah. and moments of unbelievable tension that are then broken like the flip of a light switch. And you're back to mm. just thinking, God almighty, Charlie Williams is suffering here. Someone put him out of his misery. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I really didn't like about it was twofold. Firstly, there were long sections when it was just boring. Yeah, yeah. There was too much standing around. Yeah. And I get it, they've got to load their fucking crossbow. Yep. And even then, presumably, there were some sort of rudimentary health and safety measures that they had to take into some degree of account didn't look like there were many of course they've got to rotate the set as well and get all of the 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 new targets ready yeah but it's 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 all too much and the money shot ain't worth it no because at the end of the day you're gonna see what you're gonna see somebody fire a crossbow bolt into an apple from eight yards away and win a three pound voucher and win a three pound voucher (laughs) i i i I, I put that one through the old inflation calculator and it came out three pounds in 1974 money came out at 29 quid even allowing for inflation yeah that's some bullshit. if there were a program on TV now that saw you have to travel to the ATV studios to yeah. fire a crossbow bolt into an apple yeah and there was a possibility you might win just under 30 pounds yeah what 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 world is that yeah, but I mean, you this know. This is, again, it's 1974, which, as we've discussed on this podcast quite recently, was not the best year to be British. Just the worst year. Just the worst. The most depressing. I'll tell you who's having the terrible year in 1974. Go on. And that's Ms. Bernadette Memory, who yes. falls afoul of what I think is possibly the most ill-judged opening routine of any program I think I've ever seen in my life. Charlie Williams <laughs> Charlie Williams would routinely begin the golden shot by walking down the back of the studio audience and then going down the stairs and shaking hands with all of the old ladies from Beeston and Derby. But this week he bumped into somebody. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to an old friend of mine. You've probably seen him on um, Southern Television, Little Big Time. Comedian, magician, call him what you like. He's not a bad lad. Frankie Holmes. Nice. (laughs) He was going to do a magic trick. In fact, specifically... Well, I'd like to hanker for lady. 
Yes. Oh, carry on. It's all right. Aye. You don't mind it. I don't mind that, old I've look. got one here. Aye. I just handcuffed it, love. That's it. There we are. That's it. I've handcuffed a lady. Is it naughty, boy? Could you stand up? Charlie, I've forgotten the key. He chose a lady in the audience at random, Bernadette Memory, and this poor woman is stood there like a deer in headlights. She looks absolutely terrified. And nothing has even happened to her yet. Yep. (laughs) Because what happens next is that Frankie begins a magic trick in which he produces two mice, plonks these mice down on a tray that Bernadette is holding in her uncuffed hand, and she nearly jumps out of her skin. Those mice nearly ended up in the rafters of that building. I would have picked those mice up and thrown them as far as I could if they were lucky. <laughs> but I'm like I I would be like I came here to sit in a fucking studio audience for a TV show. I didn't come here to be assaulted with vermin by a There's a moment just before the mice come out where it looks like she's starting to relax a bit and go okay, you know these are the, this is what happens this is what can happen if you go to a TV show then the mice come out and once the mice are finally away there is a twitch you know a whole body twitches you know that this is PTSD inducing she's probably still suffering from it now it's horrendous say empty, empty. Okay, now watch this it's ever so simple all I have to do all I have to do is say the magic words kazink kazink clippity clink and out comes a little mouse oh <laughs> No, no, drop it. Just don't drop it. It's a good one. Oh, it's a good one. Oh. No colour bar here. Oh. Hold it tight. Hold it tight. Look at them. Mick and Pat. Hold that, Charlie. Hold that, Charlie. Oh, I love that. She's frightened. She's frightened. Hold it. They're beautiful. What are you doing, love? What are you doing? What are you doing? This one here. This one's Georgie, you see. Little Georgie goes in. Beautiful. Once they manage to usher Frankie Holmes a long way away for everyone's benefit, yeah. this poor woman, who all she wants to do is just go back to her seat and try not to cry for the rest of the programme, is then informed by a delighted Charlie Williams, that she's won the dubious honour of being one of the contestants. Yeah. She seemingly can't assimilate this information. Oh. Every every worst nightmare she's ever had seems to be coming true. And it's really happening. It's it's horrible. It's, 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 it's one of the worst things I've... I mean... It, that was nice of Thanks for volunteering to be studio contestant for this week. Very nice of you. <laughs> and here to show you all about and tell you all about it is lovely Lee Patrick. Nice. Right? <laughs> oh. Night, Lee. Take it away and tell her all about it. Now, don't be nervous, Flower. You're all right. You're in good company. We'll not eat you. Come to think of it, we might. If... I were not a complete sociopath. I would probably feel for her quite badly because we don't know. We don't know about Bernadette Memory's life. There's a very real chance that she was terrified of mice, for example. She probably was after this. But is Memory actually a surname? <laughs> yeah, well, that is that is the only only question that I can throw. When, I mean... she, when she does appear as the guest she's put in the booth and charlie williams tries to make a joke out of it by going don't worry love there's no mice in there we were speculating that i mean obviously if it were noel edmonds you can guarantee that the booth would fill up with mice as yeah. soon like just thousands and thousands of hungry vermin and i i don't know if this is a typical event or whether this this woman was just very flighty and highly strung but i think in this day and age, a number of lawsuits would probably emerge. And with, and with good reason. That was awful. I'm not seeing anybody called Bernadette Memory on Facebook. <laughs> so we could... Then again, she might have got married and, and taken her husband's name. Well, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. She might have thrown herself right in the River Trent on the... 
I'm wondering whether she might have blurted out the wrong name. It's possible, moment, yeah. And then just have been called it for the rest of the evening. You might have gone, oh my God, I said Bernadette Memory. My what's your, what's your name? Bernadette Mouse Bernadette. Horror. Ber- <laughs> Bernadette Infestation. Bernadette Vermin Trauma. Yeah. That's an, that's an interesting <laughs> name, Flower. <laughs> we move into the first part of the show. The first part of the show features four contestants... Stanley, Leslie, Les and Bernadette. And they're all directing by voice command a blindfolded cameraman to shoot some apples on a target of skydivers. Stanley is retired. He used to make Easter eggs. So get a bit of Easter egg chat. Yeah. He manages to successfully hit his apple. Leslie, the credit controller, reels from some hilarious pranks about how she's got a Fingers in the till. Also manages to get a hit, as does Les. Now, we were quite taken with Les. He had the blackest black hair. Well, yeah. Tommy, he's like Tommy Cooper, Max Wall, and Robert Maxwell had formed some sort of super group. <laughs> super group with Arthur Mullard. Come along, Les. What apple would you like, my good friend? Uh, apple number four, please. It's already gone. Number three. Apple number three it is. It's flashing away for you, Les. I will say, Bernie the Bolt, and you have 30 seconds, starting from now. Up. Up. Stop. Right. Stop. Up a little. Down a little. Stop. Right. Stop. Left a little. Stop. Down a little. Stop. Up a little. Stop. Down a little. Right a little. Fire. Second and third contestants, Leslie and Les. Les has got some black hair. Black hair. Both miss their apple, but hit the yellow target that the apple is connected to. And Anne Aston just goes, eh, well, whatever. But when Bernadette Memory steps up, I don't know if it's all of the impacted trauma of the last <laughs> few, 15, 15 but she minutes. absolutely fucking nails that apple. Yeah, I mean, you will never see a more direct or forceful hit. And I know she's just directing the bolt with her mouth. She's got no control over the speed of the, the of that bolt, but that. That was pure rage, I think, that destroyed that apple. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And they all won for their efforts. Mm. A record player and four LPs. Yeah. I hope they weren't the four LPs, which was just sort of easy listening tripe. You'd imagine... Johnny yeah, you'd Mathis. Im- you'd imagine they would be, wouldn't they? They're not going to yeah. give out... You know, they're not yeah. going to give you fucking the stooges. Oh, well, possibly. <laughs> Possibly not, no. <laughs> Raw power by the Stooges. They are Bernadette. Yeah, there you go, Bernadette. <laughs> Listen to this. Have a box of mice as well. Yeah, have a box of mice and don't sue us. Yeah. But this is when that, that programme that, that program then ends. That programme, yes. which is a sort of an audience participation programme, is over. And then it, then it becomes a sort of Olympian test of skill. Yep. Because the next contestants come out in pairs although they're not competing in pairs they're competing against each other and they fire the bolts themselves and the bolts are moving and the uh, the, the targets are moving and more challenging to hit um, and there are better prizes yeah so you've got fred and diana fred's a motorway patrolman one little serious matter charlie uh friday tea time traveling down the motorway came to a section of the motorway where there's just two lanes open, the third one was coming off, and in the third lane were three young children, a four-year-old, five-year-old and seven-year-old, trying to get across the motorway. <laughs> if it hadn't been for the sense of one of the motorists who pulled into the coned off section and stopped and held these three children, I feel sure they would have been killed. He's got the most policeman voice in the history of policemen. <laughs> you got to... If it, if it hadn't been for the fact that he hadn't said anything, you'd expect him to start by going, hello, hello, hello. 
evening all. Uh, what's uh, what's all this then? Yeah. And, uh, but and then he goes into this spiel, and at the start, I'm like, this isn't a very funny joke. This isn't no. a very funny story. And then it's like, hang on a minute. He's actually taking this moment to warn us about the dangers of stepping out into... Mm. It was a PSA. Into, into traffic. Christ almighty, by the end of it, I wouldn't have been surprised if he brought out a Charlie puppet. Fred and Diana were both outscored by the next contestants, Alice and Roy, so they were only uh, able to take home the third prize, the bronze prize, which was uh, bunk beds. They each won a bunk bed set. Well, they've clearly got some sort of tying going on with the fucking bed manufacturers, haven't they? Because she wins bunk beds, then somebody else wins a bed, and then someone else wins a bed. Yeah, Alice wins a divan bed. Yeah, a bigger bed. And then Roy wins a simply massive, completely circular bed. And they, they are at pains to point out the bedding to go with it. This guy probably fought in the Second World War. <laughs> well, he certainly, yeah, yeah. Is all I'm saying. And he's going to end his days sleeping in a perfectly... I had to give it a quick look, gave a quick squint at it when, it, when they first pushed it out, just in case it was a waterbed. Well, yeah, I'm going to... I, I, he fought at the Battle of Anzio, and he's going to end his days sleeping in a bed like a Turkish prostitute. Every night, every night he goes to bed, he'll roll over and think to himself, well, it's better than Tobruk. <laughs> but only just, because tomorrow I've got to change the sheets on this motherfucking bed. And where the hell do I get sheets that fit this sort of bed without Amazon? They gave me one sheet. But yeah, you, you definitely need more than one. It turns out for this circular. I wish I hadn't thrown out my perfectly good bed now. Because there was that little slip of paper in with it that said, "Do not destroy the sheet. It is the only one you will ever own." Well, yeah, it was bespoke. It was made by craftsmen. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, I, I I think he was within his right to be disappointed with the weird sex bed. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, because once go. you get once you get past a certain size, what is the purpose of getting a bigger and bigger bed other than to invite more than one other person into it? Well, I mean, by by that uh, that size of bed, you that size of bed. That's an orgy bed. You could have yeah, you could have had all, all of Pan's people or all of Brotherhood of Man. Who were our first musical guests? <laughs> if he was, yeah, if he was feeling adventurous. If he was feeling, if he was feeling really, really. Someone's kissing someone else, and I wish that someone else was me. Hot that's all I ever had. Hot Brotherhood of Man are two years away from their triumphal Eurovision winning performance. Their zenith. In the Netherlands in 1976. The peak of Mount Brotherhood. As my notes say, they are the worst, the worst, <laughs> you the really worst. Hate, you really hate Brotherhood of Man. I genuinely do. I hate everything they stand for. What I'd like you to do then is is take as long as you need, if it has to be <laughs> 20 minutes, then so be it, and articulate to the listening audience your opinions on the Brotherhood of Man. I looked into the Brotherhood of Man, and they were founded by a music producer called Tony Hillier, who the Brotherhood of Man in this programme, Point Out has written or co-written their latest song. Tony Hillier was initially in the Brotherhood of Man and then he sort of outsourced it to other performers. And this lineup that they've got here, Martin, Nikki, Lee and Sandra, is the classic lineup. It's just come together this year and it is still the lineup. They are still going. And I can only 
suggest to anybody who sees a poster to go and see the Brotherhood of Man in their town that they should get as far away as possible from these arseholes. <laughs> because they, they, they are... Just, I mean, they are a cabaret act. I'm not going to say for a minute that they're not professionals, that they can't sing and they can't dance and they can't play. But if you want to see the Brotherhood of Man, then you've got serious problems. They are a bunch of hacks who have made it inexplicably far. Um, they mentioned that they've currently... That, that they've been doing cabaret. They've been touring in cabaret, which no surprise is there. And they're, they're, they, were, they were off on tour uh, and they were going to swing around to go down to Brighton to see the Eurovision Song Contest, which was at the end of the following month. Now, of course, the 1974 Eurovision Song Contest in Brighton was won by ABBA. And obviously, Tony Hillier took one look at ABBA and went, ding, idea. Let's make the Brotherhood of Man the British ABBA. Yeah, except we won't give them the songs. No. We won't give them the chemistry between the members. No. We'll make almost all of them pig ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And when it comes to the men, I want the biggest dweeb you've ever seen. And I want Lion-O. Yeah, there's a very diff- there's a- <laughs> Out of Thundercats. <laughs> or as near as you can get to There's it. a very clear dynamic, isn't there? There's, as I mean, you described them as the alpha and the gamma males. Yeah. And then in the middle, you've got Sandra Stevens, who's the latest addition. Yeah. Uh, and Nick- Nikki Stevens is singing the lead vocal. Really, yeah. there was no need for the other three of them to be there. Not really, no. No, not really. Except to just show off what awful, stinking, lousy... (laughs) (laughs) My problem with The Brotherhood of Man stems entirely from the song Angelo. But but, uh, but let's just hang on a minute, right? Yeah. Because they won Eurovision. Do you hate Britain? Well, I mean... Do you hate democracy? People voted for that. I never used to hate Britain or democracy, but these last few years make me wonder. Right, well, I'll tell you what, right? Next week's podcast, we're doing the 1976 Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Brother and a Man did win Eurovision. In style. Save Your Kisses for Me. The following year brought out the song Angelo, which obviously was a total, total rip-off. Of Fernando by Abba. Yeah. The thing that really sticks in my core about it is that interviewed about it years and years later, these they, they still don't have the grace to admit that it was just a <laughs> flagrant copy of a more successful band. Yeah, I mean, I love Abba. You know, oh, everyone. I, mean, you know, I, I Abba, absolutely, I really, I've got no really problems Abba. with Abba at all. No one but, should have problems with Abba. But the Brotherhood of Man are charlatans who should be boiled. <laughs> <laughs> Named after a line from Imagine by oh, John Lennon. I just, I, I detest everything about them. What about the uh, the racism? Well, he does tell a racism. He does joke. do a racism. <laughs> Yeah, he I mean, does it, do a race. That's well above his station. He's not even the lead singer on this song. Yeah. I'm very pleased for you Thank indeed. You and I'll wish Get you... a little bit of suntan like you. I think we're going away at the end of the year oh. to Portugal. What I should do if you are here, I'll get some cocoa. You've stood there gurning and twinkling your eyes and flashing your nips at an audience full of 60-year-old ladies from the East and West Midlands. Yeah. And, you know, you then presume, having not even won the Eurovision Song Contest, mind you, to make a joke about the host's ethnicity. Well, you know, I mean, he's... Different times. Yeah. uh, Am I surprised by it anymore? I do. You kind of, I suppose. Every fucker was doing it. Yeah. And it it is. It's like I've said 
I consistently across all of these stupid stinking podcasts <laughs> is that um it's it's always there. It's always it there. You know? It is it's always there. Not like today where we've sorted out all those problems. No, you know, I mean, you know, we're past that now. We're past that. And we've now moved on to the fact uh, or the question of whether it's racist <laughs> to, to spread anti-Semitic conspiracy theories yeah. and uh, boo black English footballers. Yeah. If it's racist to boo the black players in your own team, then colour me racist. <laughs> After the Brotherhood of Man have oh, smarmed off, we're back yeah. to more Olympic-style competition because Alice and Roy are now in the, I suppose, semi-final, shooting against each other against the target of Harold Lloyd. Alice takes a fantastic shot and scores 125. Yeah. But then Roy steps up, hits a brilliant bullseye, just, just avoiding hitting the scaffolding pole that would have deflected the bolt away. And quite possibly taken one of Anne Aston's eyes out, if she was lucky. Yeah, you do wonder whether or not Anne Aston got danger money, because quickly after those bolts are fired, she legs it straight on to stand in between them and see what the score was. Of course, Anne Aston was the centre of a fairly uh, misogynistic meme at the time. Which was that she couldn't count, couldn't add up. She couldn't count to two unless she took her top off. I even read somewhere that they used to deliberately make her more nervous to increase the chances of her getting the adding up numbers wrong. It's difficult to understand how they could have made her more nervous than in that studio, in a live TV environment, with a host who doesn't know what he's doing. And she stood in between... Two crossbow bolts. Well, they tell her what what they used to do was one of them used to say to her, "You know, there's 16 million people watching this." Jesus. So you know, actually, I've got an answer to that question, <laughs> quite a specific one. <laughs> um, and I mean, I don't know whether Anne Aston was any good at maths or not. I've got no idea. But what I do know is that um, I don't think she was hired for her mathematics. It became no, well, no, obviously, but it became a thing. And yeah. uh, it was a running joke and... Mm, An early meme. Uh, I'm not, yeah, uh, I'm not a fan, I have to say. The thing that pleased me about this particular section is that when Roy scores that bullseye, Alice, who's, as we said, taken a very good shot of herself and scored 125, yeah. looks absolutely sickened. I have yeah. seen people who have been training for four years to get to the Olympics, miss out on the gold medal in their event and look mm-hmm. less disappointed yeah, than yeah. Alice did. She was fucking spitting. Yeah, yeah you half expect her to pick up the crossbow and fire it at him. <laughs> but she did win a divan bed. <laughs> of course. Um, Roy won a seven-foot-long round bed with... Yeah. 1700 springs and the marksman of the week medal as i noted at the time that sounds like 1700 things to go wrong to me 1700 things to go wrong the marksman of the week medal which of course grants him the honor of being able to have a shoot off against the reigning (laughs) marksman (laughs) of the week (laughs) um but before that we've got the unique and fortunately reasonably truncated for him stylings of Ken Dodd. Yeah. Mr. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, please, if you mind, if you please. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Hooley has has, has, has taken me into his convenience. His con- confidence. His confidence. And he's told me all about uh, the, the, budget secret, the budget secrets. This, of course, is in my capacity as uh, the leader of the fourth party, the Nottyash Preservatives and Militant Don't Knows. Now, you see, I am the only other man who knows the true state of the nation's economy. So goodbye. <laughs> And for those of you, for those of you who are thinking that the country has gone to the dogs, I have a message for you. The country has not gone to the dogs. It's been to the dogs and lost. (laughs) We've got a new simplified income tax form this year. Only three questions. How much money have we got? Where is it? Send it. (laughs) 
On Tuesday afternoon, Mr. Dennis Holy, Healy, Hooley, will be approaching the dispatch box and revealing everything. The House of Commons first streaker. He'll, he will squirt his water pistol all over Mr. Wilson and say, how's that for soaking the rich? <laughs> I mean, okay. I've never really seen any actual Ken Dodd comedy. Okay. Have now. What I've seen is a lot of people on TV shows inviting Ken, Ken Dodd on where he says some stuff and they ask him a couple of questions and he gives some answers that doesn't really make any sense and people fall about laughing. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, that apparently is his stick. Fair enough. But it was shit, wasn't it? It was fucking rubbish. It was, it was, it was just, um, yeah, it was just Pee Herman's granddad. Wash your hair. Fucking... Get your teeth sorted out. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, at least wash your hair. You look dirty. I mean, yeah, getting your teeth sorted out, that's a bit that's a big job. But Yeah. Wash your hair. Wash your hair for fuck's sake. On television. Uh, yeah, Ken Dog comes on dressed in a large white and red plaid suit, top hat and a black briefcase. Oh. And he's he's come out in his role as the leader of the fourth political party, the mm. Naughty Ash Preservatives and Militant Don't Knows. He hasn't even got the colour of the fucking briefcase right. Yeah. That's yeah. how lazy it is. Oddly enough for Ken Dodd, what he's chosen to do is about four minutes of material about the upcoming budget in the UK yeah. and yeah. income tax. Yeah. <laughs> that was an interesting one. Yeah, you've got strong opinions about paying income tax, though, have you, Ken? Possibly the most prescient piece of television since that kid wrote a letter to Jimmy Savile asking to be fucked up the arse. (laughs) (laughs) But. Hang on. (laughs) I don't think we can use that. (laughs) But. (laughs) As you say. He's not even got the right... He couldn't even be bothered to get uh, (coughs) something that looked... Even a prop that looked like the ministerial briefcase. Yeah. He just pulls out the old Samsonite. Yeah. And we are told that, oh, here's what's inside the the Chancellor of the Exchequer's And it's just a bunch of shit jokes. Shit jokes, yeah. A pair of pants, some old food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. I know. The Naughty Ash Manifesto just ground me down. Eventually, luckily, Charlie Williams sidled back in. I can't believe that he used to go on stage and do that sort of shit for three and a half hours or whatever, and people would still be there at the end. People would go and see Ken Dodd and go, oh, it was incredible. We missed the last train home. Yeah. You went to see you went to see Ken Dodd. And you he went did, to see he did that, that for four hours, and you had to end up you ended up sleeping on a bench at Paddington Station. Yeah, are you, are you, it was best night of our life. Yeah, are you fucking insane? <laughs> you fucking pair of idiots! It's not even funny, and he's dirty, and of Christ knows what he smells of, but. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? I yeah. reckon that the the cassoulet of Ken Dodd must have been <laughs> quite overpowering. Fruity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, savoury and sweet. Yeah. I think it actually would have been like all good Asian food. Hot, sour, savoury and sweet. Light on the umami. <laughs> Oh, there would have been a lot of umami. People who can't get any um, seaweed to add to their stock just boil one of Ken Dodd's ties, I think. Yeah, ugh. I was just, yeah, and he gave me the creeps and I didn't like it, didn't like him, and I don't want to see him again on this podcast. And if he makes a repeat appearance on this podcast, I will smash this podcast over your stupid head. Yeah, but he did did, uh, pick out a letter... And win fifty pounds for a disabled woman. 
Which, oh, well, I mean, that's a bit more like it. 50, you know, that's, that's getting on for 500 quid. 50 pounds. And, of course, because she's won it on TV, she's not going to be paying any tax on that, which is another thing that Ken would yeah. approve of. Yeah. Only problem is, because it was 1974, they have to send it to her by cheque and the postman are on strike, so she didn't get it until 1976. That's by very which true. Pope, by which time, it was only worth... <laughs> <laughs> It was only worth seventeen quid. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> After that, we're into we're into the grand final. Yeah, Mar- Margaret and good old Roy. Yeah, firing off against each other, and it's a tense moment because Margaret misses her first shot, but then Roy times out. So yeah, it's still it's still nil nil. Yeah, but then on the second round, it's eighty eight to Margaret, ninety four to Roy. He wins. The overall show, he becomes yep. the reigning champion. Carl Wayne from The Move, who's introduced as an up-and-coming new star for some yeah. reason, <laughs> sings the song San Diego. Yeah. And then it's £200 jackpot time. Yeah. All Roy has got to do with one crossbow is hit the middle of the target and he will be £200 richer. And that £200... Put a dent in buying the specially made sheets that he's going to need for that fucking bed. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 two million pounds in modern money. He drills that fucking bow, as has he's drilled all of the bows. Because I suspect he was a sharpshooter in <laughs> in World War Two, right in the middle of that target. But yeah, the prize doesn't open up, and that's it. Yeah. Just despite everything we've seen where Anne Aston will give you it if it's in the same postcode in the early yeah. stages. Yeah. Did it kill anybody? No. Right, okay, you can have that then. And that's it. That was the end of the show. You, you well, There should be a steward's inquiry. I, it must have malfunctioned because that is absolutely in the centre of that board. And if that's not where he was meant to be shooting, where was he meant to be shooting? You've got to guess. I, I felt that he was wronged. And again, lawsuits would be incoming in this day and age. But then, by that time, the titles are rolling. Charlie's telling us that next next week they've got Lena Zavaroni on. Yeah. The, the, the titles are telling us that Charlie's currently doing cabaret at the Circus Tavern in Purfleet, and Anne Aston is currently performing in Signs of the Times at the New Theatre Oxford. Yeah. Must have been a Hell of a production. That's it. That's your lot. Lots of, lots of unanswered questions. Lots yeah. of moments of tension that are all of a sudden just burst. And then you're yeah. bereft. And who is the woman who is depicted in a black and white photograph that sits in the fucking firing booth? Yeah. Who is that? There is a framed photograph of a mystery woman. And I don't know who it is. I want to know who it is. I couldn't find out... Who it was. Not somebody who got shot by a crossbow, is it? <laughs> yeah, the first person who ever died on the golden shot. Could I be. mean, because front and centre in my list of questions is how the hell was something so obviously dangerous allowed to be shown on the TV live? I mean, I can kind of get it if you're going to do it recorded. Because then if anything goes wrong, then it gets pulled without being broadcast. But Yeah, Noel Edmonds can tell you something about that. Yeah, but I, I mean, I know why they did it live. Obviously for the, the people on the phone and what have you. I just don't understand why the need to have the programme going out live is considered more important than the possibility that 16 million people might see Anne Aston get bolted through the thorax <laughs> and die live on stage. I, I just, you know. But I was reading that on one occasion, a vicar who had complained about the programme being dangerous was invited to the set and uh, a crossbow went off and he was almost hit by it. And on another occasion, a woman, I think it was a woman contestant, was shot with a crossbow and was saved by the shoulder pads on her clothes. 
She's saved by the mouse in her breast pocket. Yeah, and what I understood from what I read was that there were those that that's what you know about that they went to considerable trouble to cover up a lot of other things that happened or almost happened. And yeah. I, I, I would I would love to know what they were. A bit like Ken Dodd. Anyway. Where's the pit of bodies, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, creamy centres this week. What have you got? Only the finest, creamiest centres. Okay. Um, it's been a funny old week. You know, I mean, I'm still trying to catch up with uh, everything that I've been shuffling round, and uh, that hasn't necessarily been easy. Um, uh, it's an I impressive, s- it's an impressive and hefty collection you're getting there. Yeah, I, I've, I've been watching quite a bit of football the last few days because I'm trying to bring myself up to speed for the Euros. But in the creamy centres, ah, in the creamy centres, I will direct you all towards Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show playing All the Freakers Ball live. It's on YouTube. If you search for that, you'll find it. And it is the most wasted, off their gourd performance by any band that I've ever seen. I mean, what do you reckon? Lit- what do you reckon they they were uh, what they were on for this? I would go a combination of marijuana and alcohol. Okay, so not not the really hard stuff, but still enough to uh, take the edge off. Yeah, what? I mean, I sent it to you, didn't I? Did I send it? Yeah, to you? yeah, yeah. But did you watch it? <laughs> it's got to the stage now where I'm very wary of wherever you send me a Doctor Hook performances, yeah, but I well, will yeah. I will watch it. You should do. Because it sounds like this is a Doctor Hook performance like few others. It's a good one. It is a good one. It is a good one. You'd enjoy it. What about you? I have mainly been watching old documentaries about Radio 1 DJs this week. Um, (sighs) I've watched the episode of the BBC documentary series Man Alive. Yep, I've seen that. About the Radio 1 disc, jo- disc jockeys from yep. 1970, which is uh, interesting and also a bit sad. <laughs> not not for any poignant reasons, just it's a bit sad. And then I also watched a documentary, which I believe may have been sponsored by a truck company. Uh, uh, talking about the Radio 1 Roadshow. Some good footage of Noel Edmonds doing his thing in Newquay. That was about as much as I could take. But I did watch a couple of history, short history documentaries about the assassination of Spencer Percival. Oh, right. Who uh, is the only British Prime Minister to be assassinated. Okay. Uh, I've always had a something of an interest in the old assassinations. Uh, from a dark history point of view. Yeah. And it struck me that I didn't really know a lot about the only British Prime Minister to be assassinated. So I looked into that and it turned out that, like most assassinations, it was uh, a disaffected madman shooting somebody. <laughs> oh, well, Disappointing that, isn't it? And it, it's always the same. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can thrust around these great philosophical terms you know like marxism and so forth and communism but actually at the end of the day it's just nutters isn't it it's nutters who do stuff and all the rest of us poor schmucks who've got to deal with the consequences yeah well there you go that resolved that once and for all yep i've solved another problem and i'm about to solve another problem because it's my pick this week oh good and I thought it would be an interesting change of pace for us to do a music programme. Uh, uh, but uh, it's not the sort of music programme necessarily that you're particularly interested in. It is the music magazine programme made by Granada Television, So It Goes, okay. from, from 1976. Okay, right. Featuring Clive James... 
and the first televised appearance by one Sex Pistols. Okay, right. I prefer so, Clive James to the Sex Pistols, but, you know. Well, you do at the moment. Who knows how you'll feel? I've got a pretty good idea. How <laughs> I feel. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, fair enough. That's that then. We good? We are all good. Excellent. Right. I'm still upset about uh, Roy not getting the, the jackpot, but I'm just going to have to let it go. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. He's probably dead by now. <laughs> if, yeah, well, if he isn't, good, fair play to him. So there you are. Right, that's us done for next week. Well, for this week, rather. Next week, so it goes. The Sex Pistols and Clive James. There you are. Something to actually look forward to. I think I might even enjoy this. But uh, we'll be back again same time next week. Thanks very much for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>